There was a movement in Judaism that tried to renew spirituality within the tradition after many people were just stuck in textual study or religious performance of ritual. And the, the founder of this spiritual renewal movement was called the Baal Shem Tov, which means master of the good name. Now, there's a story that will help us in this discussion. The students of the Baal Shem Tov, they heard that there was another great teacher coming to town. And they asked their, their teacher permission to, to learn with this new person. And the Baal Shem Tov gave his consent. But they asked him, how will we know if he's truly a great teacher? How can we trust him? And the Baal Shem Tov replied, Ask him to advise you on what to do to keep unholy thoughts from disturbing your prayers and your studies. Ask him to advise you on what to do to keep unholy thoughts or negative thoughts from disturbing your prayers or meditations and your studies. And he continued, the Baal Shem Tov said, And if this teacher... From, from abroad gives you advice, you'll know that he's not a very good teacher. That he's not worthy of your attention. Because it is the service of every person, it's the job of every person, to continue to struggle every hour until their death with extraneous thoughts, with all of these negative thoughts. And time after time, it never stops, time after time, he or she must uplift these thoughts and bring them into harmony with the nature of creation. Time after time, he or she must uplift these thoughts and bring them into harmony with the nature of creation. So it is often the beginning meditator's largest obstacle is the feeling that they should not have any thoughts. They should be able to close their eyes and sit and do their meditation without being bothered by their intruding thoughts. Or they are horrified when they start looking at their thoughts because you see we think all sorts of really, really bad things. But what the Baal Shem Tov is saying is here is, just like if, if, if you were coming to me and I was teaching you, if I claimed that I could get you to, you know, stop having negative thoughts, to get rid of, uh, you know, sadness or anger or fear or depression or OCD or whatever sort of negative, repetitive thoughts you have, he says unholy, but in our modern language or psychological understanding, we would say kind of a negative obsessive, um, or, uh, uh, distracting, intrusive type thought pattern. I couldn't advise you to say, oh, I know a way to get rid of those because I still have them. But what I've learned over time, what I can advise you on is that time after time with practice, you can meet those unholy thoughts with mindful attention 
compassion, non-judgment, patience, spaciousness. You learn how to tilt your mind so that it can approach that thought, meet it kind of exactly where it's at, see it for what it is, and transform it, or he uses the language to uplift it. But in, in Buddhism, we would, in Judaism, we would say uplift the thoughts. And in Buddhism, we might say to transform these thoughts. So the thoughts just keep coming. No matter how many years you've been meditating, even the Buddha would have these thoughts coming at him. But he just is able to meet them time after time. He's trained his mind not to get rid of thoughts, but to be able to meet the thoughts and transform the thoughts, to bring them into harmony with the nature of creation. In other words, to bring them into harmony with yourself, within yourself. <clears throat> so the goal of meditation is not to get rid of thoughts. But certainly the goal of meditation is to be able to transform our thoughts, to transform our thinking. So that's the first piece. If we look at what our thoughts mostly are, like, let's just be honest, most of our thoughts are fragmented. They're not complete thoughts. So we don't think clearly enough most of the time. We think very repetitively. So it's like our thoughts nag us rather than just saying what it wants, the mind wants to say. It does these little bits. It's kind of like a half-fast effort, uh, to a lazy effort to think a thought. We'll, we'll feel a certain way. Maybe we have pain in our body somewhere, an injury happened to us, or an abuse happened to us of some sort. And we're now carrying that, and we feel like it might never get better, or it, this memory will never get out of my head or this limitation in my life will never be overcome. And then we start to say, why me? But we don't complete that thought. It's a very fragmented, it's a very partial thought. We just say, why me? And then we kind of go do something else. We check our phone. And then 10 minutes later, we say, why me again? Now, if we could take that fragmented thought and really investigate it and say, why me? Why is this happening? What exactly is happening right now? Or now that this is happening, this is surely happening, what can I do about it? What is there to learn from this? How do I approach my suffering? If we just took that simple, fragmented, puny little thought, why me, and we actually thought it through, we would probably get to the root of the problem a lot better than this kind of repetitive, almost childlike type thinking process. So thoughts are fragmented. They're only partial. And they're not based on understanding the complete situation. We often jump to conclusions. We get afraid of things very quickly. We tend to believe our thoughts very easily as well. Well, if it says, why me, or this is never going to go away, we instantly believe it. So really, and we'll talk a little bit, I want to just wait on that point. But the second point then is, First point being, we're not trying to get rid of thinking, we're trying to transform our thoughts. And how we transform them is not by squashing them down, not by getting them, them smaller, 
But in some ways, by listening to them, they are able to be amplified, to be heard. And they go from fragmented and partial to, to cohesive and whole and complete. We actually sit there when we're meditating. We can sit and we can see a thought. And rather than just do that little puny, repetitive, lazy type thought, think it all the way through. Why am I feeling this way? Why has this happened in my life? Why is this the state of my body or my mind? Why don't I have what I want? And when you actually sit there and you wait for the answers, you might be surprised. So we transform our thoughts by actually watching them, by listening to them, and not immediately... Um, just reacting to them or believing in them. So that's on to point three, which is there is no reason why we must believe or act out upon our thoughts. In fact, I would maintain you probably already have a whole set of thoughts that you don't act out on. You have enough separation between seeing the thought and separating it out from whether you want to act out on it, right? Um, it might be a simply a matter of you're hungry and you are craving a certain food and you have the ability in that moment to say, you know what, I'd be better off just not having it because I'll get a tummy ache, something like that. You, you have a thought that you want something and you delay the gratification or you're, you're able to, to not react fully to the thought. You might have horrend really, really bad type thoughts of things you want to do to other people or... And they're horrible. And some people, God forbid, they act out on those thoughts. And it's sad. It's, it's horrible. But a lot of us, even that don't act out on those horrible thoughts, have them. But we know that there's just a thought there. We don't have to believe that that's actually, well, if I don't do that action, I'm somehow not following through on something. Like, many thoughts should not be followed through on. But 90% of your thoughts... Like, okay, so 10% of them are the really bad ones or really good ones that you don't act out on or you can't act out on. But then still, 80, 90% of them you act out on or believe. So when your mind says, um, this will never go away or I will never get this thing that I want, you believe it. You just take it you, in your head, you believe it, and then you feel sad. It's constant. We're always dealing with this. We are, we are constantly at, at the whim of these thoughts that are just coming at us, and we believe them. And when we believe them, it gives them more, more power over us. They get, you get more tense in your body. You make decisions and actions based on believing in those thoughts. And in many cases, those thoughts were you know, conditioned on you, they were trained on you, or you adopted them as a strategy as a three-year-old, as a six-year-old, as a 12-year-old. And it seemed to be the best way in the moment to deal with the pain of your, of your life, was to have this thought pattern to cope in a certain way. So I feel sad that someone hurt my feelings in this way. And the best way to, to not feel that pain again is to tighten up a certain area of my body tighten up that feeling around my chest, around my heart that got hurt. And anyone who's like that, who's similar to that person that hurt me, when I see them again, I'm going to act like bitter or resentful towards them. But I'm not going to know why, because those thoughts have been layered, they've been wrapped over and over again. And 
they sit kind of nestled one on top of the other. And then they get buried in our unconscious mind. And then we start acting in ways that we don't even understand because those thoughts are bubbling up underneath the surface. And then we start creating situations that make those beliefs, like they validate those beliefs that were not true in the first place. So if we say, this person hurt me, someone like that is always going to hurt me, then we tend to find other people like that and then make sure that they hurt us so that we can continue to believe in those thoughts. And this is all happening in our bodies, in our minds, at the subconscious level, and they're tied in these little knots all around our body. They're little karmic knots. They're little tensions in the body, little thoughts. And you can try through therapy and in different means. You can certainly distract yourself from them using any form of intoxication or distraction, you know, watching too much TV or drinking beer or, or whatever. But you can also not only not look at them, but you can, with therapy, skim over them for for many years. You know, if you look at, okay, this is what my parents did to me, and this is why I'm not happy. And you can talk with a therapist on this, and you can just talk over and over and over again, but talking sometimes just doesn't get to the root of the problem. It's kind of like a dandelion. You can cut the top of the dandelion off. You can, you can know intellectually or conceptually that there's a problem. But until you un uproot it, until you go exactly to the root, it'll continue working on this subconscious level. In meditation, taking a time every day or in an extended retreat or an ongoing process over months and years and decades of sitting and scanning through your body, scanning through all these little tensions and feeling all these thoughts and watching all these thought patterns, the really repetitive ones, just sitting there like a broken record, watching them over and over again, sometimes for years, eventually they just, they will release. And you'll see that, that the, the area in your body and mind that was tense, that was seemed solid, where the breath wasn't able to go, now the breath will just flow right through it. because It's broken through that knot. It's undone that knot. But when you're meditating, you'll you'll you might even know where you're knotted. You might have tension in certain parts of your body, and you'll try to get rid of it. But trying to get rid of tension just typically adds more tension to it. So in your meditation, you can certainly bring your attention. You can do a body sweep, scanning through your body from head to toe and back up. You can kind of bring your attention through, and you can kind of see, oh, there, this is where there's tension and pain, and where I've repeatedly felt this or that, and I want this to go away, and. You'll feel that, and you'll try, you can gently encourage the breath into those areas. And that's good. But if it pushes back too much, if it feels like it's adding more tension to the system, just find other neutral areas in the body, scanning through, do a gentle, you know, quick up and down or a quick, like, total body awareness. Like, okay, I'm just closing my eyes and I just work. I just, here's my whole body. And just, just at one glance, take in the feeling of being in a whole body. But then you can also just start from the top and you can go down and you can take a couple of, you know, half a minute or a minute on a certain area that might seem blocked, like just to get a feeling for what kind of sensations are there. And then keep moving through the body and keep scanning. And don't make this a project, just make it an exploration. See what's going on in these different areas. 
And if it feels like you're getting too tense, just keep a more open awareness for a longer period of time. And sometimes the best thing to do is just to practice in kind of an open awareness practice because <clears throat> you might just want to see in general what's happening without applying too much intentionality. Just watch and wait and see as you sit and meditate. Like, what does it feel like to be you? Where is it unpleasant? How is it pleasant or neutral? And so we work with this idea that, you know, our job is not to get rid of thoughts, but it's to transform our thoughts because the thoughts will keep coming. They're just a part of us. And if you, you know, this idea that we, we transform them by watching them, by paying attention to them, by raising them up. And we can do part of that by not believing in them, not putting so much stake in them, just saying, that's just a thought. Like some thoughts are really good, like two plus two is four. Like we know that the, the rational mind is a very powerful tool. But most of the thoughts that you'll just know, if they're unpleasant, they're probably not true. So just say like, that's not true. If you have a thought like, that'll never go away. You can ask yourself, is that really true? And then a nasty part of your mind will say, it's definitely true. It's never going to go away. And you're like, is that really, really true? And you can just sit with that. And you keep investigating to see, like, is what my mind telling me the truth? And for that half an hour that you're on the cushion, you're perfectly safe. Everything is totally safe. Nothing is going to happen when you're sitting there for half an hour. It's like the same as sitting and watching TV for half an hour, but you're actually getting something out of this. Like, Nothing in the external world is going gonna, is gonna to fall apart or anything. You're going to be okay just sitting there with yourself, watching your thoughts. And your thoughts will try to tell you, if you don't act out on them, if I don't get up right now and do this or that thing, or even the thought, this is stupid, this is a waste of time, that's not true either. So you just sit with a timer in our group, feeling like I'm safe. And you can watch your thoughts as they go by, and stop the, the pattern of believing in them. Now, one last point. We don't want to empty our mind in the sense of, like, okay, I'm canceling out all my thoughts. But it is true that transforming thoughts does feel like a sort of emptying of your mind. Because when you sit, when you're, when you're starting off meditation and you sit, You'll feel your body, you'll feel the hum and the vibration and the pain in your body and the soreness and, and whatnot, pleasure. But you'll also feel these swirling of thoughts. And they'll be kind of swirling around your head. It feels like they're on the outside of you. Like, okay, I'm in here and my thoughts are kind of all around me and I'm surrounded by them. And they're, they're negative most of the time. And, or I can't get a hold of them, which is just this feeling of loss of control is just as painful. And what happens in this transformation process and this not believing them process, as you keep watching them, they kind of swirl around your head and then they like almost like a big funnel, they come down like from the top of your head through the third eye, which is in between your, your eyes, through that center channel of your head, they kind of stream down, they get gathered in, and they come down into the heart, into your chest. And that's actually where physically you will feel you start becoming. You start identifying yourself more as the heart 
than the person in your head behind, you know, squished behind your eyeballs. You are not the person squished behind your eyeballs. You are the person in your heart. And you will physically, like, it's not just, I'm not just talking philosophy here. You will physically feel like, as you progress in your med meditation, that you feel more yourself in your chest. And your head is just this thing on top. And you get less of a head. It's like you have no head. Because the tension that's in the head, behind the forehead, behind the forehead in the eyes, goes away. It starts to go away. As the breath comes into this part of your body, in your head, and it releases the tension in there, it's like your head is nothing. It's just sitting on top of a body. And like thoughts come in and go, and you can do two plus two is four, and you can plan out your day and do all the things you need to do. But your center of gravity, your primary identity, falls down into your chest, into your heart chakra, into your heart center. And it's really interesting because if you think, for example, when you say, oh, I don't want you to hurt me anymore, and you take, like, whether you're left hand or your right hand, usually when you say me, just say me. Like, don't hurt me anymore. Or that's not what I said. You'll notice that your hand points to your chest. But sometimes when you say, let me think about that, you point to your forehead, to the top of your head. So which is it? Which me are you? Are you the me in your chest or are you the me in your head? And the thing is, you're both of them. You are both of them. But we often give, we get out of balance and we give too much power to the me that's in your head. And we deny or ignore the me that's in your chest because it's quieter, it's simpler. And the thoughts, the noisy, crazy thoughts, they're screaming at us all the time. We start to give them more attention and start believing in them more. And then the head becomes our primary me. That's not the Buddhist path. That's not the way to get happy. The way to get happy is to see the, the head me for what it is. Stop believing all of its crazy thinking. Most of it unproductive, fragmented, and negative. Let it go. Empty it. Transform it in the chest, which is who you actually are. And then you see that your body, your heart, and your mind become harmonized. They all get balanced. You find balance in your whole body-mind continuum from your toes to your head. You feel balanced. You feel the whole thing is complete. And it's centered in the heart. And as you progress, you will see your breath, rather than being stuck in these various parts in your body where you've held on, or stuck in your forehead where you think this is me is, the breath will just fully flow through the entire system from head to toe and won't be stuck anywhere. And that is total freedom. Total freedom, total enlightenment, total nirvana is when a human has, has battled this day-to-day, time-after-time process, and they can process these thoughts and meet them where they are so well that there's just no reason. They don't see any clear reason anymore to believe the shenanigans of the mind or to create tension in the body and mind because they're centered and they have so much confidence and faith in the, in the truth of the heart where there's love and compassion and patience that the thoughts that come are able to be met and uplifted or transformed right away. You can do this. This is totally within your power to sit, to meditate, to make this a daily practice, or even a few times a week that you're, you're doing a practice 
to just watch your thoughts. And you don't have to perfect the meditation technique. All you have to do is just sit there, show up on the cushion, on the chair, for a half an hour, three times a week, or every day, or 10 minutes every day, show up and just watch the craziness of your mind. And eventually you will learn how to meditate. You will, and when I say you will learn how to meditate, eventually you will learn how to uplift your unholy thoughts. You will learn how to meet and transform your thoughts. Each of them is unique. You'll have to work with fear differently than anger, differently than worry, differently than anxiety, differently than sadness. Just like if you had a bunch of children coming to you, and this one is acting like this, and this one is acting like this, each one needs a different kind of attention and a different kind of response. And you will learn all of the different parts of yourself and the type of healing and type of attention that each of those parts needs. And you learn that by just spending more time with yourself, sitting down and doing this process. Just sitting down as much as you can, spending time by yourself without distracting yourself, giving attention to this process. It will, it will, it will work. It works. It has worked for people for thousands of years, not just in the Buddhist tradition, but in all the world's mystical traditions, people who've set their their intention to clarify and purify this, this, these unholy thoughts, succeed. And to leave you, I'll leave you with a quote from a Thai forest master, a Buddhist monk, Ajahn Cha. Ajahn just means like teacher. It says, if you let go a little bit, you have a little bit of peace. If you let go a lot, you have a lot of peace. It's as simple as that. If you have you don't need to become fully enlightened. You just need to start. And if you can let go a little bit, let go of these thoughts, transform these thoughts, that's what he means, you'll be a little bit happier. Just keep working at it. And we're here to support you. All these teachings, all these communities that we're building, something I'm so passionate about, we're just here to help, to offer the benefits that we've received. So these thoughts can be met, they can be transformed with the breath coming in and the breath going out. And all obstructions, all limitations can be worked through.